0: Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence.
1: Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudy. Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Hi. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you.
0: Welcome back to Dear Prudence. We're excited to have Jasmine Guillory back in the studio with us, but first. I want to talk about a metaphor that I've found especially useful as I've been looking through the mailbag this week. Uh, Most of you might be familiar with my take on raccoons, which is that they are horrible garbage cats. Uh, I don't trust them, and I don't appreciate the fact that they have four hands instead of feet. Um, And one of the worst things about raccoons is a trait that I think all human beings share, which is the desire to wash off garbage in an attempt to pretend that it's something edible. Uh, you've seen raccoons doing this. Some people claim it's cute. Those people are wrong. Uh, When a raccoon turns over a little piece of trash in its creepy little paws, uh, and it's dipping it in the water, and it's sniffling at it, and it's turning it over and over and again, and it's trying to turn it into something that it isn't. And we're all a little like those raccoons sometimes, turning over ideas... And things that we'd like to do that we know are garbage, that we know are nothing but garbage, and will never be anything but garbage, no matter how much we dip them in water and polish them in our fiendish little robber hands. Um, And I would like to urge you to not be like a raccoon. Put it down, let it go, look for real food, and eat that. Uh, But don't wash off garbage and try to pretend that it's going to be a good idea. Um, It's not. It's an old apple core that someone else has thrown away, and you're better than that. And with that, let's answer some of your questions. Today, we're really excited to be able to welcome back to the studio, a friend of the podcast, Jasmine Guillory. Jasmine, welcome. Pleasure to be back. It is so wonderful to have you here yet again in our beautiful Berkeley studios. Thank you. Let's get started. This first letter comes from a distressed fiancé, and the subject line of this one is, hiding myself. I can't get my fiancé to quit making comments about my antidepressants. I've been on them for about two years, as well as going to counseling for anxiety and panic attacks. I think the medicine is necessary to stabilize me. It hasn't changed my personality, other than the fact that it helps me not to freak out at everything. But she still feels that I should be trying to get off of them. I think that she should be getting treatment for her depression, but she refuses because, quote, it costs too much, end quote. I feel like that's implying that my treatment is something we can't afford when that's not true. How do I get her to understand that this medicine is just as essential to me as if I suffered from a physical illness?
1: You know, this letter really breaks my heart because, it I mean, the medicine is as essential to you as if, you know, if you had migraines every day, she wouldn't complain about you taking your migraine medicine. And it's the same kind of thing. And I think I would... I'm not sure you can get someone to understand something that they're pushing back against this hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems like this person wouldn't have written to you if they hadn't been working on the fiancé for a while about it, right? right.
0: Because this is, I can't get my fiancé to quit.
1: Um, So, I mean, you know, my first question is, maybe you should think a little harder about whether you're going to marry this person. Because if this is a lifetime of fighting about being depressed and how you want to treat that, Mm -hmm. that sounds like a really difficult—I mean, that's the most important relationship in your life, and that seems like putting unnecessary pressure on you on how you treat your own illness, and I think that's terrible.
0: It's especially hard, I think, with something like depression and anxiety and with lots of sort of um, invisible— uh, mental illnesses. Yeah, which have enough stigma as they are. They, right? have, they have a lot of stigma and, you know, there's no visible wound you can show your fiancé that's getting better. All they can do is take your word for the fact that you are suffering and this alleviates your suffering. That's all you can do when it comes yeah. to depression is tell someone, here is how I hurt, here is how this helps my hurt. So if she can't take your word for it that this is, like, saving your life, I, I wonder what you could say to her beyond just, like, Hey, you're supposed to love me. I need you to know this enables me to make it through the day without losing it. And if that and and it worries me, especially that she says it costs too much when the letter writer points out it's not we can afford it. Right. And that makes me wonder. So let's say you convince her finally that you can afford it. I wonder if then her response will be, "Well, well, I don't think it really works anyway." So sure, or I don't really trust the pharmaceutical industry, yeah. and the side effects are such that it's not worth it. Or to... natural
1: is better. Sure, yeah, yeah, you should. You should exercise more.
0: Yeah, as should we all. But like but exercise is not a cure for depression. Is, right.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like, and I and I feel like.
1: Like you said, she should I mean the the person who you're gonna marry should be someone who b- believes you, mm-hmm. right who when you talk to them about something they they're, on your they're side. the person who has your back, they're the person who is right always on your side and if someone is saying no, you're wrong about something and not taking not believing you when you say this something has helps me and is important to me, that seems like a very that doesn't seem like a great relationship for the rest of your life.
0: It also worries me. The letter writer mentions uh, that they think their fiancé should be getting treatment for their own depression. Yes, um, And I don't know if this is a depression that has been diagnosed, if their fiancé has said, hey, I'm depressed too, I just don't want to take medication for it, or if this is just a diagnosis the letter writer has themselves made. It's not clear in the letter. Right. But um, that certainly adds a layer of complexity. Yeah. That one of these people feels like, well, I'm suffering and forcing myself to just get by. You should do the same. That's really worrying. Yeah, I I, I feel a lot of sympathy for this fiancé who is, I I think, in some degree of pain. But I, I don't think that that's a good reason to try to make someone else's burden more difficult. No, absolutely not. Do you think there is a chance that... This is, on some level, just a failure to understand. Do you do you think that there's a conversation these two could have that I mean, could change it certainly the fiance's mind?
1: Right there, I think there there is still a big stigma against mental illness in general, and against a lot of medications. I mean, mm-hmm. I definitely know a lot of people who tried to right tried to cure it on their own with exercise and eating well and things like that to see if they could fix their own depression and sometimes that sometimes exercise is i mean again exercise is great but um but that it is not a cure it, it is not the, the thing that is going to replace the drugs if you need them mm-hmm. and i think that a lot of people don't understand that still mm-hmm. so maybe there is a way for that to happen but i think i think she has to want to learn instead yeah. of just say, no, it's too expensive. Right. I think she has to say, explain to me why this is important. I think you have to, you know, the letter writer has to see in the fiancé something that says, no, I'm, I want to know why this is something that makes a
0: difference for you. Yeah.
1: And I don't see that so far. Right. From what she said. Right. Uh, so...
0: I'm trying to think through, let's say there's a chance that this is simply a, a misunderstanding, not a misunderstanding, it's not like a confusion, but like, what's the conversation they would need to have for for the letter writer to feel like, I'm doing my level best to help this person?
1: I mean, I I think this is not a thing that can come from the letter writer, mm-hmm. but maybe, you know, the fiancé can go... Along to a doctor's appointment, Mm -hmm. and a doctor can help her explain Mm -hmm. it. I mean, I think those are things that are the best come from, you know, an expert, right?
0: Sure, sure. I kind Um, of hate the idea that their fiance's word wouldn't be good enough. But well, yes, I mean, I think that that's the core of the issue, I think for both of us, right? But. Right. And I think, you know, maybe they've already had this conversation. And if you've already had this conversation and they're still willfully misunderstanding you, again, I would encourage you to reevaluate this relationship. But but maybe what's called for here is a conversation of there's a big difference between not feeling well and depression. Yeah. And if it were simply a matter of occasionally feeling lethargic or having a low level sense of the blues. Um, I, I would I would probably consider not taking medication for that. Maybe I would try to treat that with long walks and, you know, eating abundance bowls. Um, lots of sleep. Lots of sleep. But if it's a question of there is a chemical imbalance in my brain that uh, makes it such that I don't want to wake up in the morning, no amount of long walks in the woods no. are going to help with that. Um, and And I'm afraid that... If they have that conversation and the fiancé hears that and hears this letter writer saying, I experience anguish to such a degree that I cannot function. I am worse than miserable. I don't feel. I am blank. I am nothing. I I mean, I don't want to describe the the exact specifics of their depression, but generally that's often how depression feels. If they hear that and they still say, well, it's too expensive – I don't know that this person wills your good. And that's kind of one of the most important aspects of being in a relationship.
1: Right. I mean, because unfortunately in America, medical treatment is expensive. So Mm -hmm. as, again, if this is someone that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, what are all of the other things that are going to happen throughout your life that are going to be too expensive In, you know, when you when you have if if one of you has a child and something's wrong, what's going to be too expensive there? What other treatments might you need that might be too expensive? I mean, is this really about money
0: or is this about something else? I mean, this isn't like a shoe habit. No, this is your well-being. And that's not too expensive.
1: This isn't like I want a T-shirt from the Gap as opposed to like the $200 white T-shirt. Sure, sure, sure.
0: I didn't know which way you were going to go with that. I didn't know if the gap was going to be the expense of the cheap T-shirt. So I I was excited to see where you took that. Um, But yeah, I think if it's not clear how long the fiancé has been making these comments. Um, I think it's absolutely worth having a really serious conversation and communicating either with a doctor or or on your own. Um, Hey, here's what happens to me when I don't take this medicine. Um, Here's how it impairs my ability to function. Here's how it makes me feel adrift. Here's how it makes me experience anguish and pain. That's what my life is like without this medication. If your fiance hears that and still comes at you with, oh, give it another try, or maybe something else will be helpful, I think, like, consider whether you should be with someone who makes you feel like taking care of yourself is a mistake, which actually gets us to our next letter, I'm sorry to say. Um, This next letter is a little heavy,
1: so I'm just going to warn you all in advance. The subject is trapped by my life. I am a 46-year-old female who has been taking care of my husband who is in a wheelchair for the past seven and a half years. We get along well most of the time. I work full-time, and he has aides who come in, take care of him, and clean the house while I work. The problem is he expects me to be home with him every second that I am not working. Occasionally, I go shopping or out to eat with girlfriends, but he always gives me a curfew. I always have to be watching the clock and can't enjoy myself. If I come home late, I know I'm going to be screamed at. We've gotten into screaming matches more than once. If I am 10 minutes late coming home from work, he screams at me. He calls me three to four times a day at work. He used to call me on my drive home from work, but I put my foot down on that one. I told him that that is my time to decompress and the only alone time I get, except for the shower. I feel so trapped and alone. I would be a monster to leave a man in a wheelchair, and I'm not 100% sure that that's what I want to do anyway. My husband is not a bad guy, just scared and insecure because of his disability. To make matters worse, I just found an old boyfriend from 20 years ago on Facebook. From what I can tell from his profile, he is single. I've not contacted him and won't as long as I am living here. My husband logs in and checks my email and Facebook. I find myself fantasizing about him a lot, about the life we could have had. I cry sometimes for my life now, the way I treated this old boyfriend in the past, and my husband who doesn't deserve any of this. I feel like I am drowning. Any advice?
0: Wow. So I want to start by disagreeing very strongly very that your strongly. husband is not a bad guy. I disagree very strongly that your husband is not a bad guy. And I don't want to say this lightly because I, I can tell from your letter uh, you, like the depths of your um, despair. So I don't want to just say, your husband's the worst. Um, your husband is the worst. Yeah, He is and I not a the, good man.
1: And I understand your impulse to blame everything that he's doing to you on his disability, But there are lots and lots and lots of people who are living out there in this world who have similar disabilities and who aren't terrible to their friends and family like in the way that he is.
0: Being in a wheelchair does not entitle you to give your partner a curfew. Um, Or to scream at them if they're 10 minutes late or to check up on their email every day. And if he's telling you that because he is in a wheelchair he has the right to do these things to you i just need to hear i need you to hear um that's not true no he's wrong and he's lying um and it 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 makes me very very sad that you have become convinced that due to his using a wheelchair You are obligated to put up with whatever way he wants to treat you for the rest of your life. And I hope that you can hear someone else putting that into words and realize how absurd that is. Um, I mean— Everything you describe, the fact that he reads your email, that he's looking at your social media, that you'd be afraid to even talk to someone you used to date because you know he would find out, um, that he monitors you at work multiple times a day, uh, that he screams at you, um, that you feel unable to enjoy the rare time you spend out with friends— you're in an abusive relationship, yeah. I mean, he's being abusive
1: this is this is abuse. This is emotional abuse just because he's not hitting you and because he's in a wheelchair doesn't make any of what he's doing okay. It is no the opposite of it. I mean, it's an insult
0: to people who use wheelchairs yeah. to say, "Oh, well, of course, if you're in a wheelchair, nope. you'd be miserable and furious all the time. Like that is an insulting lie, yeah, um and and I would really strongly urge you to look at your marriage not through the lens of my husband has a disability so whatever he does to me emotionally is okay and to ask um would I ever treat him the way that he treats me would I ever check his email would I ever call him when he's at work to yell at him if he walked in the door 10 minutes late would I scream um the fact that the only alone time you ever get is in your drive home and in the shower made me almost cry. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, you, you ended it saying you feel like you're drowning, and I think you have accurately summed up your situation. Yeah. I think you are being drowned. Yeah, right. Um. And and I know that that can be a really hard way to look at something that you've seen differently for the last seven and a half years. I know that the the way you see your marriage right now is... Um, My poor victim husband uh, has suffered so much that I cannot ever ask for different treatment, um, and I just have to put up with all kinds of emotional abuse and and, um, monitoring and surveillance from him indefinitely, um, and to step back and to say— this person is abusing me. I know that that's not an easy thing to adjust to. Um, I don't want to pretend that it would just be easy for you to walk out the door tomorrow and leave him. Um, but I, I, I think you you do need to start taking those steps because I don't think that this is a person who is ever going to treat you well. I mean, who knows, right? There,
1: it is. If he was, and we don't know from her letter how long they were together before. He was in the wheelchair. So it's possible that, you know, he—I mean, I'm certain he ha- he's depressed. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's—again, right. none of those are excuses. But right. I don't know if you have talked to his doctor, if there's been any significant changes. I mean, I think those are some steps you can take first um, if you can go to therapy together to
0: no, try to work on that. Absolutely not. Um, I disagree so severely.
1: But, well— I also think that it is really hard to move from I am taking care of him and I spend every minute of the day to him with him to leave now. Um and so I think sometimes it might it might just help you to hmm. and I think if if cuz one of the things she said in the letter was I would be a monster to leave someone who's in a wheelchair. Which and I, I have th- to imagine which, is
0: something he has told her. W-
1: that uh, could be something he has told her but I think also I'm sure other people outside of their relationship who does don't know how he treated her might think that, right? If all of a sudden she just up and left him. And I think there are certain steps that she could take maybe to just make herself no. feel better Mm-mm. if If she was worried that she was a monster, you can take some steps to make yourself feel better, right. However,
0: I mean, here's the deal. She mentioned in her letter that there are aides who come into the house every day. yeah, um it does not sound like in any way. He is physically dependent upon her. No, that he if definitely she are not to, physically dependent. If she her. were to leave, he would not be in danger. Um, mm-hmm. So we can kind of take that off the table. I feel I, I, just the thought of telling someone to go to therapy with their abusive husband makes me just well, my skin crawl. First of all,
1: I think she absolutely should go to therapy by herself. Yes. Oh,
0: you should go to therapy <laughs> tomorrow. And you should find a therapist who is able. To say to you that this is abusive. If you go to a therapist who says, "Well, have you considered trying harder?" or maybe he's just really upset because he's in a wheelchair, you need to find a better therapist. Yeah. That, I mean, frankly, it's been seven and a half years. I, and, and again, I think the wheelchair is a real distraction. Yeah, like, and I
1: also think, by the way, I think that the ex-boyfriend on Facebook is also a distraction. Of course, I think that's just tr- having something to fantasize about. because yes. you're because you're drowning and stuck in this. I yes. mean, I don't, I don't think she's actually. You know, wants to run off with that boyfriend. She just
0: wants to not be in this life anymore. And I mean, if there's nothing else that you get out of this letter, I'm sorry, out of out of our conversation, I just want you to know, you are not a monster no, if you leave him. You're not a monster if you leave him. And and if he has told you that or communicated that, or if you. any of his family has. I, you, just because I know worry that his lie. family will have said that a- to you. Again, like, this is just, these are just such lies. People who use wheelchairs go through breakups. Yeah. They get divorced. They have fights. Like, and <laughs> again, people who use wheelchairs
1: don't usually treat other people this terribly. Exactly. This You're, is not just a, this is not a thing that his wheelchair has done to him.
0: Your your husband is abusing you, and it does not matter if he uses a wheelchair or doesn't. Um, it's never okay to make someone feel like they can't have a conversation without being monitored. It's not okay to make someone feel like the only time they can be by themselves is in the shower. Like this man. In the shower. I mean this man is abusing you constantly on a daily basis, and I feel that it is so important for you to forgive yourself to feel like you do not owe him indentured servitude for the rest of your life because he uses a wheelchair um, and to see that what he's doing to you is is cruel and and unkind and and deeply wrong and unloving. And that the sooner you get away from this relationship, you will be able to see yourself not as a monster who couldn't tough it out with a person with a disability, um, but a woman who saved her own life. Um, So I think, uh, you know, my advice to you would be to start seeing a therapist right away by yourself um, and to start making a plan to leave Um, a, a place you can go that you think you'll be safe a way to make sure that you can um, either block his phone number or block any way he would try to contact you so that you're not besieged by calls. Because if he calls you three to four times yeah. a day now, when you leave, I have to imagine he's going to up the guilt factor and try to make you feel like a monster. And you need to remind yourself that you're not. So And talk to, to your friends. Yes.
1: I mean, you you clearly have friends because they try to make you go out with them sometimes. Yes. Talk to your friends and really tell them what's going on. Yeah.
0: I'm sure they're worried about you. Yeah. Don't try to paint it like things aren't as bad as they really are. Um. Don't try to make it sound like you are a bad person because your husband has such a vicious temper. Um. It's not your fault that he screams at you for walking in 10 minutes late, and it won't be fixed by you coming home exactly on time. He will find something else to scream at you about. I can promise you that. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's a way that you can make this marriage work. I don't think you should try to make this marriage work, um, and I don't think you should try to make yourself feel guilty or responsible for his well-being. Um, he's not physically dependent upon you. No,
1: he has AIDS. He has people who can help take care of him.
0: Yeah, he he is cruel he just, to he, you.
1: I mean, he wants you there because he wants you there, but that's yeah. not. You don't. He will be fine without you. Yeah, I, I, and I feel, you'll be so much better.
0: I feel him. like this letter is looking for permission to go and I want you to know you have it absolutely 100% permission to go and get out of this awful desolate marriage and to take a breath of air Whew. Uh, please, if you get a chance, write us back and let us know how you're doing. If nothing else, I hope very much that you take our advice to see a therapist because you deserve another hour a week where you can talk about yourself yeah. and someone has to focus on you and remind you that you're worthy of, if not love, at least gentleness. Kindness. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really strongly urge you um, to not see yourself as the monster. No. Not a monster. Nope. (sighs) (sighs) Guys, that was... That was a hard one. Oh, I hope she writes back someday. All right. After a lot of increasingly heavy letters, I think it's time that we turned our attention to something a little bit more uplifting. um, And at least something where we feel like if we get it wrong, we're not damaging somebody's life. Um, So the subject of this letter is polite parking. Dear Prudence, I've been living with my husband in a group of apartment buildings for about a year and a half. In this time, we found excellent parking spots for ourselves in the complex's parking lot where spots are not assigned. Another car has taken to parking in the spot I have been parking in directly next to my husband's car. It sounds stupid when I type it out, but it's irritating my husband and me. Do I suck it up? There are a plethora of other spots, and he doesn't live in our building in the complex. He lives the next one over, so there are even spots closer to where he lives. I really cannot believe I care so much about this. Help me either not to care or find a way to politely ask him not to park there.
1: I think maybe you and your husband should just maybe move your spots if it's that important for you to park next to each other.
0: I just want to say I'm so grateful to you for this problem. <laughs> I, I could kiss you. Um, I... Yeah, that would solve the problem, right? If there's multiple uh, other
1: spots. I mean, I'm trying to figure out what the problem is, right? Is it that you and your husband want to park next to each other? I think
0: they want to park next to which is sort of cute. Which is sort of cute. It's like trying to get a locker next to your yeah. high school girlfriend yeah. and being like, now we can see each other in passing yeah. period. So maybe you and your husband, I mean, I know that
1: you found your spot and you want to stay there. But this other person, for whatever reason, likes your parking spot. I'm sure he you you apparently know
0: who he is and where he lives. That's yeah, you've clearly been staking this guy out. Like, there he is. There's that Subaru.
1: Oh, so maybe he has a specific reason for parking there. Maybe
0: he has a crush on your husband. Maybe it's close. I also just want to say,
1: exit that he wants to people are
0: petty. Like, people are do so not petty. underestimate the possibility that he just likes splitting you two. Yeah, up. could be. Could it be. could just be the thrill he, that yeah. gets him through the workday. Yeah. Like, people are petty. Yeah. Please remember that. People, like, stealing other people's spots just yeah. for fun. So don't feel too bad about caring so yeah. much. Because other people care, too. I mean, I, there's lots of stupid little things I care about, too. I exclusively care about stupid yeah. things. Um yeah, okay, so you have a couple of options, all of which I think you should continue to care. Yeah. Obviously, I don't think you should lose sleep over this. I don't think that you should start some sort of, like, apartment complex war. No, no wars. Um, but no you're war. sort of definitely allowed to care about this, for sure. Your parking spot means a lot to me. <laughs> I want something to work <laughs> out.
1: Um, maybe your husband can find two better parking spots elsewhere.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Although... And then, okay, if you guys move and continue parking together and this guy oh, yeah. starts swooping in, you know something. Okay, so
1: here. now I think that they absolutely have to move parking spots to test For it. like a week yes. to
0: test, to yes. see what he does. Okay. Park on the other side of the parking lot where park he never by pers- he, where
1: he lives
0: and see <gasps> oh, if he the, the game yeah. is a foot yeah. jasmine. I love it. Yes. Park where he lives and see if he moves. And then report and back. And then report back because I want to know. Yeah. Um. And beyond that, you could you could ask someone not to park next to a particular car. It's also very possible that he does not notice. Yeah, his parking. he is probably. This is the flip side to people are petty. People is, are oblivious to he, your problems. Yes, he probably has no idea.
1: That this is your parking spot. Right? right.
0: Yeah. So you could say, hey, these two spots, we kind of have staked them out. Yeah. Do you mind leaving them alone? And you can kind of say that in a way that's like, hey, buddy, life's a little wacky. Things are a little silly out here. We know it's goofy, but we care about it. Right. That's don't usually- make it his fault. Yeah. People Especially, find that disarming. Yeah. If you're like, oh, I'm so sorry.
1: I know this is one. And, you know, my husband and I sometimes we transfer things from car to car. I don't know if you do that. But it's a good excuse anyway. Yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I would say first try moving. If he follows you, you know that you should probably bring it up. Yeah. Um, and then try asking, you know, nicely in a way that sort of acknowledges the silliness of the request. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, uh, block his car in. Yeah, there's you know? also also that possibility. Just, Don't do Just that. go double petty. Yeah. No, do not do that. Because when people get at their worst behind the wheel, um, it's very, very ugly. It's very ugly. Man. But, you know, congratulations on... Having a small problem. Yeah. It's good to have little problems. I I honestly cannot thank you enough. Yeah. And I hope that everything works out. And I like that. It's kind of cute to picture like, oh, our cars are sitting next Next to to each each other. other. They're like... T- tucked in for the night and they're holding hands and, like, our cars are in love. And why does he always take her spot
1: and not her husband's, So That's another question. I mean, clearly her husband's coming home from work earlier. Oh, that could be it. It's I was thinking guess. that the
0: guy had a crush on her husband. Oh, but yeah. Could be. Also, this man might be in love with your yeah. husband and this is his, like, incredibly subtle way of yeah. letting yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. could be that. <laughs> there are some serious machinations going on in this parking lot. Okay, that's it. That's all I got for you. Jasmine, thank you so much for coming back to the studio. Uh, And in the grand tradition that we are just now starting, would you please give us another piece of legal advice for everyone listening?
1: Um, Let's see. My other piece of legal advice would be that everyone should— and this is is a little legal. This is more just a legal mind has ideas— to scan your important documents and email them to yourself Mm. so that you have copies of them. For instance, your passport. Scan that, email it to yourself so that if it ever gets lost, you can have it.
0: That sounds like a really good idea. Yeah. And I probably won't do it, but I know. I thank know you. you. Thank you for saying it to me. <laughs> Before we go, I just want to say to anyone who feels resentful that they are now obligated to have an opinion about the Ghostbusters franchise, uh, because it has no longer become a conversation about whether or not constantly rebooting old ideas from the 80s is a good idea, or even whether or not this is a good or an interesting movie. Uh, But that simply by virtue of the conversation, uh, it now is being posited as some sort of like radical consumer choice. Um, And I want to say that I hear you. And it, it is a strange world to live in, where deciding to see a reboot of Ghostbusters uh, is suddenly a, a radical act um, and that has to do with feminism and queer representation. And, um, that's really a strange place to be and that's not something I thought 2016 would bring. Um, and if you find yourself feeling resentful of that fact, maybe you don't, maybe you feel great about it, maybe you feel phenomenal, and I'm very happy for you. I hope you see it eight times and they're all fantastic. Um, and if you feel... Like you were not planning on this being something that happened this summer, uh, I hear you, and and I want you to know that if you would rather go see something else, you still have to go see it. I'm really sorry. Unfortunately, it's past that point. Um, uh, you just have to do it. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Casey Miner. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts, and Andy Bowers is the chief content officer of Panoply. If you want us to answer your question, call and leave us a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 401-371-3327 and we might give you an answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. If you want, you can also record your question using the Voice Memo app or its equivalent on your smartphone. When you record your questions, please keep it short. 30 seconds or a minute tops. Send it to us at prudencepodcast at gmail.com. If you have thoughts about other letters that we've received or general feedback about the column, send that in an email. The voice line is for questions only. Okay, see you here next week.